0: Good morning, and welcome to the basketball show. It is game time. I'm your host, Paul Sir. Our text line is one eight three three four zero one one four four zero. Please text us with your comments, questions, observations. We'd love to hear from you. I'd like to welcome our producers, Connor, Hallie, Ryan, Reed, and Brian Swain, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, Paul. So, guys, uh, we're going to start with our poll question. Ryan, I'm going to turn it over to you.
1: Yeah, so over on X or Twitter, at uh, basketball underscore show, we already have 40 votes on the poll pre-show here. Uh, the poll of today is who should be the first number retired for the Toronto Raptors? We have Vince Carter, Kyle Lowry, Chris Bosh, and other. You can either comment on the Twitter or send us via the text line the response to that. But so far, we have Vince Carter as the leader. And uh, we will discuss if that's justified or not later in the show.
0: Sounds good, Ryan. So again, the, the question is, who should be the first Raptor to have their jersey retired? Shaq, of course, had his jersey retired by the Orlando Magic this past week, their first retiree. And now we're talking about the Raptors who have not retired a jersey to this point. We have a fantastic show today. Uh, we always try to bring you genuinely unique and interesting guests, and today is certainly no exception to that approach that we try to take here. In Hour One, we're going to welcome the Honorable Joseph Scow, Alberta's Minister of Tourism and Sport. Six-foot-ten-inch po- political figures are not common, but Minister Scow is all of that, and he has a great story of his experiences as a basketball player uh, and what he's done now to carry on in serving the public good by working in the government of Alberta. So, and then in hour two, uh, what a treat. And and I, I have to say, like on a personal level, I just can't wait for hour two because we have the great Jack Armstrong with us for not one, but two segments. And we're going to do a deep dive into the Raptors, the NBA and to see if we can even get to a little bit of March Madness and women's basketball as well. Let's talk about all that's going on in local hoops because, of course, now we're getting into that part of the season where playoffs are taking over and a lot is on the line for so many teams. Uh, Brian Swain, I'm going to bring you in right now. Let's talk about the U of A. And first of all, let's, let's touch on the Pandas and what's going on with them today.
2: Yeah, the Pandas are in the Canada West semifinal. They're out in Abbotsford, BC, playing, and they're going to be taking on the Victoria Vikes. That game is at two o'clock, our time this afternoon. Uh, one o'clock Pacific out there in BC, and that game's on CanadaWest.tv. If anyone wants to tune in, the, the Pandas, of course, they won their first conference championship last year, and now they're looking to repeat.
0: Well, and, uh, you know they're they're up against a, a University of Victoria team that has been the Cinderella team, not just of the playoffs, but of the last six weeks of the season, right, Brian?
2: Yeah, the Vikes started their season they were zero and seven. They, I believe, they won their final seven games of the regular season. Now they pulled off upsets in the first two rounds of the playoffs, including knocking off a, a UBC team in the quarterfinals that a lot of people thought might be able to uh, might be able to win the whole thing. So this this Victoria team is red hot. They only came in as a number ten seed. Industry the tournament but they're you know they're they're that proverbial team nobody wants to be playing right now because they really they, they are the hottest yeah. team in canada west going so uh the pandas will have their hands full the pandas have played very well so far in the tournament too um so it, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting game and of course the pandas they're just working on getting tuned up for the u sports championships here in a couple weeks
0: we're going to get to that in just a second uh well, let's stay on the university of alberta for a moment uh the, the men's team, the Bears, went out. Uh, they had a tough win, three-point win uh, against Mount Royal in the first round and then had a decent lead in the fourth quarter against their rivals uh, from the University of Calgary. And Calgary, I believe, closed the game out, uh, Brian, on a 22-6 to 6 run.
2: Yeah, t- uh twenty two five actually 22-5. they had in, in the later stages of the fourth quarter that just completely flipped the script in that game. The the Bears were up nine and they ended up losing by six. Um and uh just a tough one. I mean the the Calgary Dinos, that's a very good team. They're a team that I think could potentially win the, the conference championship and you know, they're hoping to get a, a bit into uh U Sports Nationals as well and make some noise there. But it was it was a tough one for the Bears. They had a tough matchup. They they played great for three and a half quarters and uh uh Nate Patron, uh who a lot of people might know around here, he's uh played for the provincial team programming and he he went off for thirty-three points for the dinos and pretty much brought that home for them.
0: Nate Patron, yeah, played for the uh provincial teams, uh, spent a, a year or two with Mount Royal and then transferred over to the UFC and uh that's a that's a nice uh nice acquisition by the dinos, that's that's for sure. Speaking of uh, the the national championships, we have a big week in basketball cup- coming up in two weeks. Uh, March 7th to the 10th, we'll have the U Sports Women's National Championships, the final eight at the Saville Center. And as well, on March 8th and 9th, at, going on simultaneously, will be the Alberta Basketball Association's Youth Provincial Championships. And Brian, uh, that is going to be... A dynamic week we met, we mentioned last week somewhat in jest, but it's, it's no laughing matter if you're looking for a parking spot yeah. on any weekend at Saville, but especially weekends like that. Find your transit schedules and find your alternative parking lots that you can go to that weekend
2: or just start walking right now.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But that very, very exciting time. High school playoffs are starting up. Uh, we, we just have, uh, just all of the, fun that's going to be happening in NCAA basketball, of course, Canada West, ACAC right now, playoffs are going on as well. And, uh, it's, it's just the best time of year if you're a basketball fan. You're listening to the basketball show on sports 1440. Uh, The poll question today deals with the Raptors whose Jersey should be retired first. I'm going to delve into that for just a second. Uh, We'll talk to Jack Armstrong when Jack comes on, but I think, I think that's, it's a, it's a compelling uh, discussion that I I think would be a lot of fun to, to, uh, to discuss. Now I'm going to start out and I'm going to throw this at uh, both, at both Brian and Ryan. Uh, can you make a case? Could you ever make a case to retire Kawhi Leonard's jersey as the first jersey to be retired, or at all?
1: I, I just I don't think so. He is he's like individually and skill wise the best Raptor ever, but the, the retiring number has to do with the greatness of the player. Uh, it's it's a one year thing that he did, and he did he was the best player in the world, arguably at the time, but it just it. That you can't That can't be the first number you retire. Be more into the Vince Carter or the Kyle Lowry. That you got to retire one of those numbers first and then maybe maybe look into something other than that. If if there already was a jersey retired, maybe it's possible Kawhi gets retired. But you can't have that as the first one, Paul.
0: I'll come back at you with one thing and then jump over to Brian. You said you have, it's, you're, you're celebrating your greatness. What could be greater than Kawhi Leonard's season – uh, and its uh, and its impact on the franchise and on basketball in Canada, so Brian, can you make a case?
2: I think you just did <laughs> i mean i, I and i 'll get into my who who I think should be first and my reasoning for that later. I know we 're going to talk a little bit about this later, so I won 't eat up too much time on that right now, but I have a hard time wrapping my head around getting someone who played who was here for such a short period of time receiving such an incredible honor that that aside. Uh, you, like I said, you make you just made a very compelling point for him. What you know, with the, the greatness, what he did for basketball, and, and what that team meant for basketball in Canada. Now it's not just him, but he was he was the leader on that team, and he's the one that put that team over the top. So yeah, there's a case we made for him,
0: absolutely. Well, and it's interesting because I don't believe it for a second. I was just <laughs> trying to be I was just trying to be the devil's advocate on it because you can make a case because. You look at the impact that Vince Carter had on basketball in Canada, uh, you know, all those years ago. And I think like to me, he would be the first one I would retire because I think he's he was the springboard that created the fire and the groundswell that has continued to develop over all these years for for basketball's growth in Canada. But Kawhi, like you said, when you talk about it, not the first one. But at some point, maybe it would. It seems to me that it would be almost unheard of that a player plays one year in a franchise and has his number retired, and yet, given that that franchise has one championship, and the only reason they have it is because this player was part of not not the only one, like you mentioned, Brian. It's a perfect point, but it's the only. But the only championship this franchise has been able to win is because of the vision, and the jam that Messiah Jury had to roll the dice with Kawhi and end up with a championship.
2: Yeah, it's an absolutely fascinating debate. When we were coming up with this poll, I think you know we said there's probably about six players that you could make an argument for. it. And on our poll, we were only able to list three, but we included the other option there. And I really would like to hear, you know, anyone out there, if you want to make a case for one of the players we don't have listed, please do it because, it uh, you know, there's, there is there's arguments already made.
0: Well, the ones that we mentioned, I mean, when you look at, Damon Stoudemire and his initial impact with the Raptors really getting the franchise going. You look at uh, DeMar DeRozan, the long-suffering, poor DeMar DeRozan, who was loyal, you almost have to say, to a fault to this franchise and was rewarded by being traded away. And immediately, the year after he goes, they win a championship. I know uh, DeMar DeRozan has a lot of love and respect, deservedly so, in Toronto. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, you're gonna be you're going to hear our interview that I recorded a bit earlier in the week with the honorable Minister of Tourism and Sports for the province of Alberta, Joseph Scow. Join us and stick with us here on the basketball show on Sports 1440. Welcome back to the basketball show. I'm your host, Paul Sir. And we have never interviewed or really been interest, interested in interviewing a government official before because our focus is on the game of basketball and all of the people that make the game come to life on and off the court. But that's exactly why we are honored today to welcome our next guest. He is the Minister of Tourism and Sport in the province of Alberta. And I'd like to welcome the Honorable Joseph Scow. Minister Scow, welcome to the basketball show.
3: Paul, it's great to be with you. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Now, there aren't many six foot, 10 inch Government officials or ministers anywhere in the world, uh, much less in Alberta. But uh, that's an indicator, uh, Minister Scow, of your background in basketball, given that you're from a very sports-centric region of the province out of the town of McGrath. Talk, uh, tell our listeners about your basketball background.
3: Well, happy to. But before I do that, I, I do want to thank you for having me on the show, particularly given your basketball background. Um for those of you who don't know I suspect they do but uh you have been a builder of basketball in this community in the Alberta community for decades and there's a lot of athletes who owe their success to you directly or indirectly Paul and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a shout out first it really is an honor to be chatting with you and uh you know I and I'm sure we'll have lots more conversations in the future but I just want to give you a thank you for that there's uh, not a lot of recognition goes to the people behind the scenes, but you've been one of those guys for a very long time, so thank you.
0: Well, thank you for those kind words, Minister Schau.
3: But, uh, you know, my basketball background really didn't take root until I did move to uh, to Western Canada. I, I was born just in a small town outside of Ottawa called Metcalf, and my brothers played, uh, and I kind of grew up watching and sitting on the bench with them. But when I moved to Western Canada to to McGrath is where I, I had head coach Phil Tallstrip, who was a national team player for Canada, along with his brother Tim, and uh, there it kind of started to really develop my game. And I like the joke that you can't really live in McGrath and be six foot nine or six foot ten and and not play basketball. Uh, it I was would be difficult.
0: That's an understatement, I think. There
3: there be there's a little bit of pressure to say the least. Uh, but, you know, I really embraced it and it took some adapting to get used to the number of fans who comes to games, uh, the kind of rivalries you have down here between McGrath and Cardston and Raymond and uh, and how those date back, you know, generations. But it was really exciting for me to to embrace that and then start playing basketball. And so I did grade 11, grade 12 in McGrath and then had the opportunity to, uh, to go on and play university afterwards. But I really have to, uh, you know, attribute a lot of my success, you know, to my family, my parents, of course, who helped me, you know, through all of that and drove me to practices, uh, but also to my coaching and the teachers who rallied behind me in McGrath.
0: Well, it takes, it, it takes a community, uh, as, as has been said many times, to raise a child, but it also takes a community to build a basketball player and uh, to have that kind of support that you had was instrumental and the Tulsa brothers. I mean, what legends, uh what legends they are. And uh that whole community of rivalries is really something special. When we first moved, just a little aside, when we first moved to Alberta back in the eighties, I heard about this region and I did. And honestly, I thought it's gotta be an exaggeration. I'm from the state of Iowa, it's very rural. There are, you know, pockets of great, ba- I mean, lots of great basketball rivalries, et cetera. But I wasn't that familiar, but I got to see it firsthand, and it is something special. And the fact that here we are all these years later, and it is still thriving, is really a testament to that area and the culture, the pride of the pressure, everything that goes along with it. But but back actually, to yourself, you you went on to university, and I believe you started at the U of C, then transferred, correct? So interesting. I actually started at uh, Simon
3: Fraser. I went there for the 2003, 2004 season. Then I decided to serve a mission for my church, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. So I went, I went to Russia. I went to St. Petersburg, Russia. Uh, when I got back, I transferred over to University of Calgary and I like to laugh. And this is serious though, that I got off the plane from Russia and I think about eight or 10 hours later, I ran a beep test. And oh, it was, it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a terrible score. I'd been running a bit when I was over in St. Petersburg, but, uh, it wasn't the kind of scores that I, I had registered in the past. So I was at University of Calgary for uh for two years, and then I transferred it to dalhousie where uh where i did uh my my final years of eligibility and you know Calgary was a good experience and uh you know I appreciate all the work that Dan van Horn and staff put into me sometimes things just don't work out, but uh you know he's he's done good things with that program and uh had some great teammates there and uh you know again attribute them to my you know you know to my learning and my my development as well but ended up at Dalhousie in Halifax. And uh, as a as a red shirt, we won a conference championship. Then, as a senior, when I was playing, won another conference championship. So, you know, went to nationals twice, had some great success for that university. And I've seen them carry that success on. They have a, a great program there, a good recruiting stream, and uh, I love watching them, uh, you know, do so well on the national stage now.
0: Well, just like uh, the the region that you're from in southern Alberta, the basketball uh, tradition and culture out in the Dalhousie area. And out in the Maritimes is really it's really something special. They really get behind they get behind all of their teams in that region of the country, don't they?
3: Well, Nationals has been hosted out in Halifax for a very long time, and only you know kind of in the last little while they've started shifting locations. But I'll tell you, they put on one heck of a show out there, and it's a great time. You know, people love coming out to the Maritimes, play some basketball. The weather's usually quite good around that time of year. Uh, you know, even the smell of the air. It's really great out there. And, you know, when I was there, I had some great coaches with uh, John Campbell and, and and Dave Nutbrown and others who helped out. So it was it was all around just a, a tremendous experience and one that I, I look on fondly.
0: You're listening to the basketball show on Sports 1440. I'm your host, Paul Sir. I am uh, so honored to be here with Minister Joseph Skow from the, the Minister of Sport and Tourism in the province of Alberta. So Minister Scow, you uh, did your mission in Russia and the fact that you had to learn the Russian language actually came back to provide an opportunity for you, a very rare opportunity for you to work with the Russian Olympic program, I believe.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit roundabout, but after my senior year at, at Dalhousie, I went over to play, uh, in, in England and uh, I played a year over there. And, uh, the, of course, the 2012 Olympics were coming up in London. And uh, the point guard on my team uh, at the time, he was a pretty big basketball builder in the in the in London and in England, really. And so he was doing a lot of the organizing for the Olympic tournament. So we were actually just stretching, uh, getting ready for practice. And I joked to him and said, "Hey, you know, I, I speak Russian. Give me a volunteer job." And he said, "Okay." So I mean, the quick lesson there was you just have to ask. Yeah. So we. Oh, uh, so I was kind of taken aback, but I, I went through all the vetting process with the volunteer committee. Uh, and, uh, and then I ended up going back home before the Olympics started. And I was kind of thinking, do I really want to do this? Uh, cause I was slated to be with the Russian women's team because they had qualified earlier on. And about two weeks before the Olympics started, the Russian men's team qualified, if I remember correctly. So I got reassigned to them, hopped on a plane, went over to London and, uh, just kind of. Yeah, my, so I ended up being the the official title was the was the liaison for the Russian men's basketball team, but really you kind of do whatever you need to do, and so I did everything from you know a little a little bit of translation work, uh, nothing official, to practice times, bus schedules, just making sure everything was staying on the rails. But um, had a bit of a funny experience over there, if you don't mind me sharing, and uh, so. We were, going into, uh, we were going into one of the games, and we're on the bus right after practice, um, and the coach was staying at the front. And the coach was David Blatt, who some may remember coached oh, yeah. at uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers briefly. Yeah. And he was a, just an, an amazing coach and builder out there. And so he was the coach, and he was saying, tomorrow we're, we're going to wear white. And I thought to myself, well, I think you're scheduled to wear red jerseys. So he said, no, no, we're going to do what we want to do. We're going we're to wear white. <laughs> so, I said, okay. so I went back to the IOC and I said, look, like they're going to show up in, in white, even though they're slated to wear red and, and, uh, and if they don't, they show up in the wrong jerseys, they're going to be fined. And I was like, okay. So I went back to the coach and I said, look, you got to wear what they're telling you to wear. And he said, what are you talking about? The coaches are going to wear white. The players are going to wear the jerseys they're supposed to wear. <laughs> so I almost created this whole, like, international episode of people getting fired or you know getting fined or whatever and i'm sitting there just making major apologies to both sides saying awesome translation my my mistake but uh it ultimately ended up working out and what was really cool is the russians ended up winning a bronze medal uh much to uh, i think a lot of people's um shock They, they they weren't expected to make it out of the the round robin, you know, if I remember correctly. And, you know, they had teams like Spain and Argentina, the U.S., of course. Uh, Australia was pretty strong. And so Russia was a bit of a dark horse, but they had some really good players. Andre Karolenko was there. So for that two weeks of my life, I was kind of, you know, living and rubbing shoulders with all these amazing NBA and uh, top division Russian players. And it was it was something that I, I have fond memories of and, and lots of stories, but I'm sure we'll talk about it another time.
0: Well, uh, to hang out with AK forty seven had to be fun, and I heard the reason that was attributed was that the liaison really was the difference maker in the team's performance. Some some say it is so. Some say it is so. Okay, <laughs> but you know, I I really immersed
3: myself with the team, and so when they won the bronze and they beat Argentina in the final, I ran onto the floor with them because you know they'd really embrace me, and uh, I remember the organizer was like, "Scout, get off the floor, get off the floor! <laughs> like you're in you're in volunteer gear, you're not." in the Russian men's gear, like, you know, you're representative of of the Olympic games. And so I was like, ah, you know,
0: sorry, but it was, I kind of, kind of jumped the gun out there. You're listening to the basketball show on sports 1440. I'm your host Paul, sir, along with minister Joseph scow from the province of Alberta. How did you get involved in politics? What, what, I guess the question would have two parts, minister Uh What motivated you to get involved in politics and how has, your experiences as an athlete help you in your political career pursuits? Well,
3: after playing basketball, I I came home to Alberta and I started looking for a real job. And I like the joke that I'm still looking for a real job. But of course, I I have a very serious job and I take it very seriously. But, um, you know, when I got back, I wanted to do something that would make a difference, uh, that would have a, a real benefit to my community and I know we talked about the rivalries earlier on in between McGrath and Cardston and Raymond. But, you know, this Southern Alberta community really does unite well. And I wanted to do right by that. And so, you know, I'm a fifth generation Southern Albertan on my mom and dad's side. My dad's side coming from Cardston. My mom's side coming from McGrath. And so, you know, I I wanted to, to, to do right by my ancestors who helped build uh, Alberta, like so many other people's ancestors, and so running for office and and uh defending I thought you know were the you know the right principles of hard work and uh you know family oriented values and making sure that we're protecting rural Alberta protecting the way that uh Alberta is represented rural Alberta is represented the legislature, so uh, I started working on campaigns and I actually did a master's degree in uh political management at George Washington. And so I used that to do campaigns, and eventually put my name on a ballot, and uh, and I was successful provincially, and have been uh, grateful ever since for the opportunity to serve. And you know, it's had lots of ups and downs as one would expect in politics, but um, you know, it's been really rewarding because you can really make a difference in people's lives. And and I've been honored to you know to to be the MLA for the area, and now of course the minister of tourism and sport.
0: Let's talk about the Ministry of Tourism and Sport. That's a new ministry. That just was carved out of another ministry, uh, to, I think, shift the focus onto those two very important, uh, those two very important portfolios. Uh, you were appointed the minister last year in 2023. What has that experience been like, Minister Scow, with not just starting as a minister in the provincial government, but helping formulate the uh, policies and the uh, moving forward of, of an entirely new ministry.
3: Well, it's been really unique. Uh, I did get a point in June of last year. And so what really happened is, you know, the tourism has been under a different file, kind of under parks or uh, and and sport has been tucked under uh, culture, multiculturalism and status of women, all very important files. But recognizing the importance of sport and recreation and also the economic benefits of tourism, uh, they put the files together. And, uh, so they, they do work in silos in some instances and in other places where you have things like sport tourism. So it's been a great opportunity for me to, you know, to learn a little more about the economics of tourism. Uh, but I like to think that I do bring, uh, you know, the experience of, uh, of sport and recreation to this file. Something that, uh, as the first Minister of Sport in Alberta's history, uh, has been, you know, has been missing. So really focusing on getting youth involved. I believe really strongly that, you know, uh, kids who learn good healthy habits become healthy teens, become healthy young adults, become healthy adults. And you know, helps you deal with things like stress and uh, you know, and can help avoid mental health concerns and it can also just, you know, can can avoid long-term strain on your health and your body. And so not that I'm saying I'm a I am saying i am a am a perfect picture of health, but what I am saying is I've learned a lot of things over the time playing basketball and you know, learning from those experiences and trying to bring that into the ministry. So from the sporting side, uh, I worry you know, it's more it's more focused on it's more focused on the youth development, on recreation. Uh, we're also putting some emphasis on, uh, on adolescents, teens and, and adults. And then of course, seniors, but you know, it's a tough time right now. It's a tough time for everybody. And so one of the things we recognized was that, uh, we would never want anyone to have to make the difficult decision of looking at their checkbook and saying, you know, do we buy groceries or do we put our kids into, into recreation and sports? So we put forth our every kid can play grant. That helps kids get out and cover their recreation fees. Uh, it also helps cover other things for organizations, such as equipment rental, coaching and training, and uh, and, and and facility rentals. So that's kind of the more of the sports side, and it's been a huge pleasure and honor because you know we're already seeing the benefits. Kids are getting out and they're playing more, and looking forward to working uh, within the communities around Alberta to get more kids outside, off devices, just being active.
0: Well, and, and to that, to build on that just a little bit, Minister Scow would be, I, you and I have had in our conversations, uh, the, the discussion about the importance of getting girls involved and more involved because we, uh, the statistics show a, a very, very dramatic drop off of participation post COVID. And I know that's a, a, a major, a major passion of yours.
3: Yeah. This is a statistic that came to my attention very early when I became the minister, and I was quite alarmed by it. Uh, I have a daughter. She's young. she uh She's nine, but very competitive. And going back, you know, I've seen what sports does for so many people, whether it's competitive or just recreational. And there is this time around the age of 13 where young girls are leaving sports and getting pulled in different directions. And I don't think it has to be an either-or conversation. I think it could be an and 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 by that i mean you know you don't have to leave sports to to pursue other interests but there are so many coaches and uh and teams and opportunities out there to play and i'm really committed to making sure that the young girls have that opportunity to play and uh and so i one of our focuses is trying to to avoid this drop off kind of around that age 13 age
0: well it's it's a, a pursuit worth, worth uh, working extremely hard at. And I know there are a lot of people in the across the entire sports spectrum that share that same commitment and passion that you just shared with us about getting girls involved. But new Canadians, uh, young people from disadvantaged uh, situations where they don't have either the uh, uh, personal support or the financial support. The fact that the government of Alberta recognizes that and is addressing that, I, and I think, too, Minister, if I could be on the soapbox for just a second, is just the overall effect of the combination of physical and mental health, and the uh, positive impact that will have on the healthcare system, which we know is stressed to the max. The more resources we put into it up front, the more preventative we are down the road for physical and mental illness issues that that we really that we really are wrestling with nationwide, but certainly in, in Alberta as well. So that's very exciting for those of us in the sport community to have the government acknowledge tourism and sport in its own ministry and be looking at ways to support that uh fiscally and with the various programs that you're offering.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is a priority for us. And, uh, you know, part of that also is just bringing attention to sport and generating excitement. Uh, we've had a bunch of major sporting events, uh, happen not so, uh, not so long ago this past weekend. And of course, next weekend is the Scotty's tournament of hearts. Uh, we were out at the, at the Camor Nordic Center for the cross country skiing world cup there. And we even saw the, uh, the world cup snowboarding event at COP and they're really entertaining. There's a it's a lot of fun a ton of excitement i got my first cowbell at the, <laughs> at, the uh, at the cross-country skiing event but also there is a huge lineup of all these kids watching these athletes and uh, even at the nordic center you know there, there's a ski group there where moms go out, show up with kids at any age you know e- even newborns they strap them to their chest and they'll get out and they'll do cross-country skiing and it really builds the excitement around these sports and so Bringing these international events, which we're also supporting as a government, helps generate some excitement uh, for youth. They look at these people who are competing at such a high level and say, "You know what? I could do that. I could do that." And sometimes that's all it takes is a spark. It takes someone you see on TV who does it really well, and you say, "You know what? I want to get involved." And making sure we're supporting the, you know, the the competition side uh, where possible with our major cultural sporting events grant. But also, once the kids want to pursue these sports, they're not being restricted by things like registration fees or facility rentals or equipment rentals. So, you know, there's lots of work to do. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a done, you know, it's a done job. In uh, your soapbox, you know, you're preaching to the choir because I'm just so committed to to seeing uh, expanded access to recreation and sport in this province. But uh, we're just getting started.
0: I know you are. And I know uh, under your leadership and with the vision that the government has that, we're going to see more and more progress taking place over the the months and, and years to come. I'm going to throw a couple of basketball uh, events out as well that I know you're aware of. We have the uh, Youth Sports Women's Nationals at the uh, Savile Center coming up. Uh, the ABA Wonderful Youth Provincial Championships coming up at the same time at the Savile Center. So that's going to be bedlam. Take the LRT because there won't be a parking spot for miles around. But and then of course, I really hope once again, Minister Scow, you're able to join us this summer, July fifth to the seventh for our Hoopfest three X3 event. It's the final stop for the uh, women and men's Olympic teams before the Paris Olympics. They're gonna be here. And plus we're gonna have a greatly expanded community event as well. So I'm hoping July fifth to the seventh you can join us for that if you're if your schedule allows.
3: Most well, definitely in the calendar. And I got to say, what a great facility the Seville Center is. I mean, it, it hosts some amazing competition and uh, I'm looking forward to being there for some of those events as well. But yeah, absolutely. It's always great. Get, it's always amazing to get out and watch some basketball. Uh, I'm, de- I'm pretty busy these days, but, uh, you know, part of the job is making sure we're, we're hosting these amazing events and young athletes are getting a chance to see them. So I can't wait
0: minister joseph scow uh minister of uh, tourism and sport in the province of alberta we can't thank you enough for joining us today on the basketball show i hope we can do it again absolutely anytime paul thanks so much thanks for all you do you're listening to the basketball show on sports 1440 we will be back right after these messages a day without disco isn't a day at all so we're a disco saturday here on the basketball show on sports 1440 give us an update ryan on the poll question
1: Yeah, so we actually have had quite a few votes on this. Uh, 91 votes so far on the basketball show. Twitter, basketball underscore show. Vince Carter in first place with 83.5% of the vote. Kyle Lowry in second place with 15.4%. And Chris Bosh has one vote and 1% of the vote.
0: A hardcore Chris Bosh fan has... We had the, the joke going on behind the scenes here that Chris logged in and voted for himself. So but Bosch was a great player he just uh to not to have vince have that overwhelming lead though not really surprising although connor we're going to go to you right now uh your vote would be for who uh to select the first ever raptor to have their jersey retired
4: no i I gotta start with this i am a huge vince carter fan i grew up he was the reason i became a basketball fan like Full stop uh, It was my birthday The night he won The slam dunk contest And like That's when it was Born for me I watched it At my friend's house In his basement From that day on I was a Toronto Raptors fan Had the Vince Carter jersey Very quickly Made a website Dictated or dedicated To, to Vince Carter In grade 8 computers I don't know how many people Did my that My goodness G-O Cities. But with all that being said, I go Kyle Lowry. I mean, second all-time in games played, minutes played. He's up there for all the categories. I just think that he was a guy who embodied the Toronto Raptors. He got there, uh, excuse me, but kind of a little pudgy kid. Just grew up in Toronto, kind of became a son of the city and matured. And he, he stuck around. He was there the whole time. And then he got the championship. He got the All-Star games. Uh, with, Vince was great. He put Toronto on the map with that dunk contest and what he was able to do, but he, he didn't really have those wins. I'll, I'll never forget that shot he missed against the Philadelphia 76ers second round. He went to his graduation. He flew back for game seven. And uh, that was an amazing series. He and Allen Iverson were duking it out. But uh, Kyle Lowry was there for some playoff wins, some struggles. And then at the end of the day, he got the championship, right? So I I love what Vince Carter did. I think he deserves to have his number retired by the organization. But for me, Kyle Lowry would be the first one.
0: Very well put. I remember the first game that Kyle Lowry played for the Raptors. And my response to him was, why in the world did they go after this guy? (laughs) Because he did not have a good game. Uh, as you say, at that time, he was not in great shape. But the, his determination over the course of his career with the Raptors and the impact that he had on the culture of the team and the importance and significance he had outside of a guy named Kawhi Leonard in the championship season, it, you, you make a very compelling case. If you really look at a body of work and the fact that he was such an important part of the one championship that Toronto has, you really do have to look at Kyle Lowry and weigh that off against the more splashy impact that Vince Carter had.
4: Yeah, and I mean I, I think that if it's not for Kawhi Leonard coming over and winning the championship, yeah, you have to give it to Vince Carter because the resumes, you know, they're they're similar, all star games, star plays. But I just I think back to some of those series in the earlier times, not with Kawhi Leonard but when he was he and DeMar DeRozan and those series against uh, Brooklyn you know the the play when you needed him to make it taking the charge or fourth quarter some of the heroics he had like he was just so good night in night out for the Toronto Raptors Like I said, Vince Carter's going to get his number retired. It's going to happen eventually. But for me, Kyle Lowry, just what he did, I think it'd be so good to have him do it first and have that championship team show up, get Serge, get Gasol, get all those guys that played with him during his stretch there on that night. I think it'd be a great evening.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the fact that uh, Kyle took the charge. Oh, yeah. I mean, he took key charges at key times that were pivotal moments in games that needed to be won, where they needed a stop, And we all know in the NBA, great offense beats great defense all the time. But the charge is one of those X, unpredictable X factors on defense that can negate a possession and negate a great player who has beaten his man off the dribble, for instance, and going to the basket. And there's Kyle Lowry finding a way to take the charge. Your thoughts, Brian, on on Connor's very well-structured argument.
2: No, I absolutely agree that I I think... He should have his, Kyle Lowry should have his number retired. Now, whether he's the first or not is, is a different argument, but absolutely he should be recognized. And, and what I think, that Kyle Lowry is probably the first. It's interesting, a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about here as guys who should have their number retired, whether it's Vince Carter, Chris Bosh, if we go back further, Damon Stoudemire, none, none of them left Toronto on good terms. Kyle Lowry was like, he, he bled for, you know, he bled Raptor Red. Right, and he he wanted to be a part of this team that meant it meant so much to him. Uh, so absolutely, absolutely, and you know you add the championship to his resume, all the All Star games. He's right up there near the top of the leaderboard in just about every statistical category for the franchise. I I, I can't say anything against him, other than it's just either is he first or second.
0: You know, we're going to round this segment off with our absolute pick, but 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 I'd like to go back to that conversation about leaving on bad terms. What is it about the Toronto franchise? I think it's somewhat unique that I know there's lots of players when they leave franchises, there's some hard feelings, but there's lots of franchises and players that don't. The Raptors, in my opinion, and maybe it's just because we're in Canada, the media is focused on it, but there's a lot of big name players who left here pretty salty. What do you think that is? Is it the way the moves were made, the fact that the move was made, the sense of disloyalty not being reciprocated? I'll go to you first, Brian, then I'm going to jump over to Connor with his thoughts.
2: I don't know if it's a uniquely Raptors problem. Um, I think it it could, you know, we see this a lot in sports when a team, when a player leaves, whether it's demanding a trade or free agency, there's, there's generally bad blood there. I mean, even if, you know, what prompted this whole conversation in the first place was Shaq. Having his being the first player to have his number retired by the Magic. Well, Shaq's departure from the Magic, I mean, it was, it, it's interesting, is that the, par- it parallels a lot with Vince Carter and that the fact that he was public enemy number one in Orlando for a number of years there. Every time he would go back, they'd boo him out of the building. And the same thing with Vince Carter. Now, Vince Carter's actually, the, it's been cool to see there's been an olive branch extended, I think, on both sides. And he's, he's beloved in Toronto again now. And that, and so th- I think the oldest of us who grew up, Love and Vince and, and, and the Raptors, that means an awful lot. That never happened with, with Shaq. I mean, it wasn't until a month ago when they finally decided they're going to retire his number that there's really been kind of a mending of the bridge there. But so I'm kind, in a roundabout way, though, Paul, I don't know, like, it, recently, Kyle Lowry's departure wasn't as ugly. I don't think, I think, like, Fred Van Vliet. For example, I I don't know. You know, he went where he saw an opportunity to get more money, maybe better playing opportunity, whatever it may have been. But I don't know if there was necessarily bad blood on that departure. At least the fans still love him. The fans still love Siakam. We saw that as much when he came back for his return game last week. Um, So is it... I, again, maybe it's not uniquely a Toronto thing, and maybe it's more so this era now. These players are, I feel a greater attachment to the to the city of Toronto and the franchise than in the earlier days with Stoudemire, with Carter, uh, Bosch.
0: Connor, you're a, a, a well-rounded sports guy. You follow all sports.
4: I try, yeah. Uh, hmm.
0: and, uh, is, is what we're describing uh, with players departing Raptor, the Raptors organization feeling a bit, you know, a bit salty about it, But that's pretty typical in all sports, isn't it, when players get traded?
4: Yeah, I mean, and and I think, you know, time heals all wounds, right? I think eventually you can look back and you'll remember the good times. Like, And especially in the Raptors case, like Brian said, I mean, you think Siakam, Kyle uh, Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet, Kawhi Leonard when he left. I mean, I was heartbroken. I, I remember sitting on the couch like, why? Why are you going to the Clippers? They never win. And... The fact that they got that championship, though, it was like, okay, you got us a ring. So I'm not even going to be mad about it. You're always going to have the good times to look back on when I think of Vince Carter and the way that all went down. Like, Vince wasn't happy towards the end. Uh, Tracy McGrady. I was, I was always, just going <laughs> to bring Tracy McGrady uh, yeah. up.
0: To me, he's a bit of a fly in that that ointment People that you're forget, describing but right like
4: now. That, if had he stayed, do the Raptors win a championship with Vince and T-Mac? Like, T-Mac was so good when he went to Orlando. It could have been something. Uh, trying to think of some of the other Raptors that might have left in a, in a fashion that wasn't so great, but I, I think just us being up here, and part of the fact is that they never got that championship. And you know, the Raptors tried him, Hakeem Olajuwon. He was past his prime, but they brought him in. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal was another one they brought in. Jalen Rose, like I, I think it was part of an unfinished business type thing. Uh, Mo Pete, I, I always loved Mo Pete, but they just didn't get the job done. And then when Vince wound out into public manner, it kind of soured the whole thing.
0: Well, and I think, though, at the time, I think really what what my reflection on it would be, Vince was a bit of a head case at the time, to be honest. In my, in my opinion, like the controversy over going to North Carolina for his graduation right before Game 7, then missing the shot. Yeah. You just leave yourself wide open. And why
4: do you take the three?
0: Yeah, (laughs) You, you look at it and you go, those are the realities in those moments, as opposed to the shot by Kawhi Leonard. So I think what you're pointing to is, number one, how hard it is to win a championship in any professional sport. Number two, Messiah Jury made a decision that sent away one of the most beloved and popular players in DeMar DeRozan to get Kawhi Leonard, and you look at the result and say, This is a business. You rolled the dice, you took your chances, and it paid off. And I think it paid off in such a way. that It adds to the color, the texture, and the feel of the Raptors franchise history now. And without those bold moves and without those mistakes, those chances, it all led up to that moment. And thank goodness for that moment and how that changed the course and direction, not just of the Raptors franchise, but of basketball in Canada in general and that wouldn't have happened most likely if they would have stayed the course.
4: hundred percent. I mean, that, that move at the time, it was win because you knew Kyle or sorry, Kawhi Leonard was a free agent, right? What are the odds he's going to stay in Toronto, especially if they don't win a championship? Maybe there is a, a feeling of unfinished business and he's back on a one year deal, but it was one and done. It was, it was wild. My question for you guys, when they make that statue to commemorate that championship, what is it going to be of? Is it going to be Kawhi hunched over watching the ball bounce in Game 7 against Philly?
2: Has right. to be. That, I, mean, that's, that's I mean, that just, was the iconic that's, image, that's, right? That's the iconic image, right? I mean, that's the first thing anybody thinks about that championship, and it, it's funny, too. It's, it's kind of it's almost going to be like, the, uh, like generations from now. The funny thing about the, um, the 1980 Olympics when the U.S. win the gold, that Russia game, is not the actual game that won them the gold medal, right? Yeah. That's all everybody thinks of, it. and there's probably people who are going to be thinking like years from now, oh, that's the shot that won them the finals. <laughs> it was the second round, but but that is going to be the iconic, the iconic lasting image of this, and so absolutely, that's I mean, that's that's one of the all time famous ones in, in NBA history, not just Raptors or Canadian sport history.
0: It's interesting to talk about the Raptors now with with history being a part of the conversation. It's a deep, rich history. Over decades now, as opposed to the new franchise for professional basketball in Canada, feel old now, Paul. (laughs) Well, just wait. (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to that. But but it is it is interesting because now they have what I would call a rich history because of the fact that they've won a championship. The Timberwolves came in around the same time, and I'm you know I'm a homer for the Timberwolves because of. My roots. Actually,
2: they came in like seven years earlier. So. Is that right? So, yeah, you, yeah. You, you're yeah. probably so, right. Yeah, so I, they've got an even longer track record. With yeah, that the, and, yeah. And,
0: and they've got nothing to show for yeah. it. Not many franchises do have a lot to show for it when you go past the Celtics and the Lakers. Everybody else, it's hit and miss here and there. Chicago Bulls, of course, those sorts of things. But when you're looking at uh, the, the Celtics and the Lakers with 17 championships each, I believe. I mean that—that's rich, deep tradition going back to the roots and heart of the NBA. But now the Raptors are part of that—that that unique, very, very select group. And so we—we we can talk. We can talk about these things like because—and and that's what I find so unique about it. They brought a guy. They brought a, a hired gun in for one year, and it paid off. That's remarkable. You just don't hear about that. And I'll go back to your multi-sport uh, interests, Connor. Mm-hmm. Brett Favre. You know, what did he won one championship with the Packers? Yeah. One. Went to the Jets, went to the Vikings, never got it done. And usually ended his season with one of his patented cross field interceptions to end a comeback.
2: I'll I'll just throw this out because on the topic of whether Kawhi should have his jersey retired. Should should the, the Buccaneers retire Tom Brady's Brady? Kind of, that's, that's, <laughs> that's almost it. a similar thing, right? Went there and was like, I know he was there for what, two years, three years? Two years, one championship. Two years, one championship. So it's kind of similar. Hired gun comes in and gets the job done in one year, but doesn't have that longevity or connection with the franchise in that respect.
4: What I like about the NFL is they don't retire too many numbers, but they wall of honor it. Yes. So I think Tom Brady will get on the Buccaneers wall of honor, got them their second championship. but
2: Maybe that's what the Raptors need is a wall of honor or a ring of honor. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, I think second there's a tier? lot to be said. The yeah. uh, second tier. Alvin uh, Williams? <laughs> I mean, that was <laughs> oh my guy. Gosh. J-Y-D.
4: J-Y- oh, my gosh. JYD. Oh, my gosh. JYD. Mo Pete. Have you
0: ever met JYD?
4: That would be a dream. No.
0: He, I've had him on the – we had him on the show early on. The high uh, socks
4: and the headband?
0: Oh, my gosh. He was He's, so cool. He was down in Calgary when the Raptors came and played Denver in 2016. And he's every bit as hilarious as you think he is. Like I, I had the opportunity, and it, I look back and what an opportunity to go out to dinner with uh, JYD and Doctor J. Who paid the tab? It wasn't me. And uh, but it, what what an opportunity! And and uh, again, Julius's level, steady personality in JYD absolutely bouncing off the walls was really that was really quite an evening, and it, it – the way he portrays himself in the media, and for those who don't know who JYD is, it's the Junkyard Dog. And uh, he still makes a living basically going around the country to various uh, functions, camps, professional, and uh, community, uh, doing his thing as a very, he, is a very he was, colorful personality. He was a personality. YouTube personality before YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of made YouTube the personality.
4: Jerome Williams. I mean, the ultimate energy guy, right? 100%. And, and you could speak to this more than... I guess anyone else in this room probably, but you need those guys like that. Absolutely. they just tenacity well, was, on the
2: boards. I think he defend. was pivotal in that team that won their first playoff series in 2001. Of course, we're talking about Vince Smith, a shot in round two, but he was yeah. a big part of that team and the reason they got that far.
0: Well, and you look at any championship organization, you have to have, you have to have special players that do little things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Rodman, of course, is the most <laughs> obvious and flamboyant example with the bulls. But you, you know, you go through the great Laker, the great Celtics team, the great Bulls teams. And when it wasn't Rodman, it was somebody else that are doing the little things. You, the superstars can do a lot of the big things. They can do 80% of it, but the, it's the other 20% that no one notices on the stats sheet that are going to make the difference in whether you're a championship team or not.
4: Yeah, bring it back to that Raptors team, OG Ananobi. You know, the, the ability to defend, he was pretty low there on the depth chart, but if you needed a good defender, bring him in.
0: Bring him in, and and he's now, since then, has been springboarded into yeah. being recognized as one of the great defenders in the game, which he is. Thanks, Connor, for for kicking in on this. This Absolutely. has been great. We're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to bring in the great uh, color voice, color analyst from the Toronto Raptors organization, longtime color analyst, the great uh, Jack Armstrong, and he's going to... Uh, We're going to try to get a lot of, uh, a lot of topics covered with Jack because he's going to be with us for two segments. You're listening to The Basketball Show on Sports 1440.